Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who have great personalities. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right. It's Wood Talk number 331 for October 30th. We got a little uh, extra music in the background there. That's always helpful. Um, not distracting. Helping, you know, get, the, get the attitude and the excitement and Whatever gets you up, pumped you know? up, man. You know, Because the reality is <laughs> it's, works. it's a Saturday recording. We're recording this early because Monday is going to be tricky. I've got a procedure and it's uh, Halloween, and tricks and treats, all that good oh, stuff. Boy. So yeah, it's Saturday morning. It's like 9 o'clock a.m. my time and I don't know what time it is for you weirdos, but it's early enough. Hurry up and finish <laughs> talking. It's almost lunchtime. I'm hungry. Yeah, it's all very weird. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is Wood Talk number 331 for October 31st. In the show notes, it says 30, 31th. Somebody <laughs> forgot to change it to an ST. Uh, 2016. And on today's show, we're talking about glossy wood without finish, choosing woods for your design, how much wood for a workbench. Some good topics there. And we actually have some folks to thank for helping us out with support over at patreon.com slash woodtalk. Those people are Colin Peterson, uh, Mr. Pachuto over at Make Something, uh, Rattletree, Chuck Floto. Jeffrey Marriott, Chris Lindsay, Dennis Eastman, Steve Gamberg, Travis Stotes, Eric Tootleman, Scott Brooks, Cole Bouchard, John Wilson, and Martin Griwan. 
Thank you so much, folks, for helping out. We really appreciate that. We're enjoying this whole Patreon thing, although at the end of this month, which is when we do like the Hangout and some of those other bonus things like having a guest on the show, uh, because I am not in my house and we're like moving in you know, two weeks and there's just a lot of craziness going on, uh, we're slacking a little bit. So we will make sure that we, we meet all of our obligations, uh, including the weekend show, which is coming up very soon here. Uh, we want to start that in November. So yikes. Lots going on, but it's yeah, it's all because you guys are our bosses now, and uh, you're making us work, and we, we like it, but it does scare us a little bit because it's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> so, you're, you're you're scary bosses. Yeah, no you one guys really are, likes to work for your kind of boss. You're the guy that comes along and says, um, "Yeah, um, <laughs> about the TPS <laughs> report. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, did you get the memo? <laughs> your cover page. Uh, so anyway, let's get to what's on the bench." Uh, really? I don't even have a bench, so... You have a bench, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bench uh, kind of looks like a wicker table on my mom's patio. You go visit your bench in the storage container, wherever it is? I don't even know where, is it, that is. where it is. That's a little bit is scary, it? right? I have no wow. idea where the bench actually physically is located. <laughs> but I, I know it's somewhere, so... It's going to be that's... showing up on YouTube. Yeah, the Wood Whisperer's <laughs> bench. Somebody peeing on it and uh, <laughs> cutting it into pieces, defacing it. <laughs> taking a blowtorch to it. Yeah, it should be, it should yeah. be good. Uh, so the move did happen and, uh, I'll get into the, and what's new where I've documented some of that if you want to go check it out. Um, but yeah, the, the whole move took place. It took about three and a half hours, really no surprises. Um, the guys are always really professional and, and nice and, uh, they were very efficient, but this is like my fourth or fifth time doing this. So I can't say I was surprised by anything that I saw. Uh, and in fact, you know, fifth time around, I kind of learned some things and, uh, you know, had some tricks up my sleeve to make it easier and more smooth when the, when the guys came to, uh, to move everything. But yeah, they loaded it all up in a big old truck, took it away. And I will not be seeing that stuff for a couple of weeks when I load it into a very most likely chilly garage and just kind of stack everything in there and have it be in the way as I try to turn a garage into a shop. So that should be interesting. But I, I do feel like I'm really... I'm going to be really curious just to see like your reaction to like Colorado weather. I will probably be frozen you, you kind solid. of like joke around now like, oh, it's going to be cold. And yeah, I just immediately scoff and go, it's not cold in Colorado, but I also didn't live in Arizona. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and the reality is, you know, I know what bitter cold is like. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. I went to visit my uncle in Syracuse. And you want to talk about some serious yeah. uh, snowy weather. Oh, good. Like the stuff that he could, he already posted a picture on Facebook, I think, of a, a snowfall that they already had. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with winter. But the reality is. I've been like for over a decade, I've been West coast and, and Arizona, you know? So it's like, I, I, my perspective has changed and there will be an adjustment period. You don't even own pants. That is true. I really do not. I think I have like one pair of jeans that I almost never get to wear. My winter coat is a hoodie, you know, like a light hoodie jacket. So yeah, one of the first things we're going to do is go shopping at Walmart to actually buy clothes that makes sense for, for the climate. So yeah, it'll be good. But my plan, you know, for the garage oh, is that's to the like, next Patreon goal, by the way, folks. Oh, by Mark well, gets pants. pants. Yeah. Mark gets pants. I'll take donations too. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't oh. mind secondhand clothing. Um, so one of the things I'm going to do first is probably get the heating system installed. And I did a little bit of research. There's lots of ways you can go with this, but I, I like the idea of the low intensity infrared tube heating and it, you know, doesn't move air. It heats objects instead of trying mm-hmm. to heat the air. Um, the whole system sounds really efficient and smart and good for a wood shop. And it's very quiet as well, which is important. So my thought is 
if I can get this place a little warm, then I can actually do something like whether it's small, quick projects for the show or simply focusing on getting the space ready. I'm going to need that heat for a while at this point. So that like priority one, electricity, priority two, heat. And then from that point, I should be able to start producing content and, and move on, um, you know, with stuff to keep just to keep everything flowing, you know, so I'm not kind of stagnant for a few months. So that's the plan. We'll just see how well I am at the how well I can execute this whole thing. But yeah, that's all that's going on with me. So Matt, nice. what you got going? So I'm working on the sawmill again. I've got to an interesting point. I don't know if you guys ever have this happen to you. If you're like doing a project where you don't really have a plan you're following and you kind of don't know how everything's going to work when you first start. Sometimes. Um, I'm kind of at that point now where I'm like past that. <laughs> um, I finally like have everything figured out that needs to happen so I can like kind of proceed and knock things out quickly instead of like kind of like sitting around trying to like think about how this is going to work and kind of plan things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like literally I can just like I should be able to just go out there and just do the work and know exactly what I have to do instead of like sitting around trying to figure stuff out all the time. Right. So I'm pretty excited about that. So this week I got the idle wheel um, assembly thing attached to the beam. So that's ready to go and I can move on from there. So it's happening. Nice. When when yeah. do you expect to be cutting, like making your first cut with this thing? Um, I'm waiting for a few parts to come in. The drive shaft just got um, finished being made uh, yesterday. So I'm waiting for that to come in before I can make the drive side. Um, I have like four four big things left to do before I can start cutting stuff. Mm-hmm. I need to make the drive side. I need to do the motor mount. I need to do the raised lower mechanism. And I need to do something to hold logs to the bed. Um, but those aren't that big in Isn't theory. Isn't that gravity? <laughs> uh, it is gravity until you get a lot of like side force. From that so blade coming across, that, Matt. It's it's already been invented. It already oh, works. They already have gravity clamps. <laughs> they have nine point eight meters per second squared force. Nine point eight one. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> nice. But after that, I should be able to just be cutting stuff up. Be cutting. That sounds good, man. I can't wait to see it. Seriously, yeah, I cannot wait weeks, for that maybe. thing to start running, just because. All it's going to be for like six months on Matt's YouTube channel. It's just, I cut up this log today. I cut up this <laughs> and it, log look at what today. I cut. It very well will be. It will definitely <laughs> yeah. be that. <laughs> and I will actually watch that too. That's the worst part of it. Ooh, new log. <laughs> the thing with the, the bigger stuff is I have like all the video of me going to pick them up that I didn't do any videos on my, um, on my channel about. So I have like the whole like, here's this big ass log sitting out in this pile that I got to put on this trailer and haul back home and unload. And then, oh, I built a sawmill, and now we can start milling it. So I have a whole story there that I can tell for each of the big logs. Oh, nice. So you're just hanging on to the footage waiting for the, the right time in the sequence. Yes. Well, the right time is when it gets on the mill. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. Nice, man. That sounds good. Right on. Can't wait. Well, <clears throat> uh, as I said last week, I started my Christmas turning, so I'm still doing that stuff. Um, you know, making uh, garden tools this week. What? <laughs> really yeah there, there's a yeah there's um i mean you, you put a wooden handle on anything man you know put a no, no, on well of course i'm thinking like the the tool head itself i guess you, you have some no kind of no no i haven't <laughs> gone to the wooden rake side of things i'm come on man that that underhill yet got, no, no you, these are these are you know project kits that a lot of the turning houses make and they have like a uh, spade okay. and a um like a little fork thingy gotcha like small pitchfork hand pitchfork and i'm just putting 
handles on them. So I, it, it's actually, it's really kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cathartic. Because <laughs> I've got all these like turning scraps and stuff that are just gorgeous pieces of wood with figure and everything. And it's like, well, I can't get rid of that. You know, I might turn something out of that. I have a pool cue blank made out of snake wood, which is just gorgeous. And I've had it for probably 10 years. And, you know, so I'm kind of moving through this stuff and turning them. And it's just so cool. It's one of the things I like about turning is you get so much exposure to woods that you would never really ever work before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't really buy snake wood and boards. You can, but they're skinny and narrow. And most of the time that wood is chopped up and used for, um, for turning blanks. You know, the same thing with like really, really, really heavily figured um, Nara or something like that. I mean, when do you ever get the exposure to work on these kind of woods and stuff? So sure. that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Um, my respirator is certainly getting a lot more use than it normally does in my shop. But um, I'm digging that. But in addition to that, I've been kind of taking the break to do the turning um, to clean up a few things around the shop, make a few little like bench appliances. And I made a, um, an iPad stand for my, um, for, uh, I have a, a, whatchamacallit, a, uh, adapter that takes from an iOS device into an HDMI port. So I can put my, either my phone or my iPad display up on my, my flat screen TV or every now and then I'll throw something up there. Um, so I made a little stand out of a block of eight quarter cherry, that lovingly cradles the iPad at an angle and it sits right below the TV. You know, it was just a <laughs> stupid project, but it was just a fun diversion for like probably 20 minutes, you know, make a cut here, make a cut there, put an angle and screw it to the wall. And I was done. You know, I was like, okay, that's cool. That gets that out of the way. I made an edge planing stop. Actually, I did this as a um, thing for uh, apprenticeship in the hand tool school. But once I'd finished that, I was like, well, now I've got to find a way to hang it on the wall. And it's got these two wedges that help. It's like a bird's mouth thing that the the board on edge goes in and the two wedges lock it in place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I need, I don't want to lose the wedges. Like if I hang it on the wall, what am I going to do with the wedges? So I'm like inlaying in rare earth magnets under the underside and the underside of the wedges. So you hang the whole thing on the wall and the wedges just stick to the underside. It's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so then I just start like, that's the other thing was we talked about last week about T one eleven in the shop. Right, right. Well, I have plywood walls in the shop. So it's like, hey, stick a nail there. Now this hangs there. Now suddenly you have like hanging bench hooks and things all over the shop. And it's just, I don't know. It's just cleaning house, if you will. Just yeah. get stuff up off the floor. And uh, it's just one of the fun things to do when you're in between stuff. Sure. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Nothing. All right, let's get to what's new. And uh <laughs> This is a little, little self-serving. Uh, I did start a YouTube channel, uh, you know, because you know, this YouTube thing's you catching a YouTube on. Channel? Yeah, I figured I may as well stick my uh, feet in the water a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a fad. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Yeah. Uh, it might be. Uh, you know what? Speaking of <laughs> speaking of fads, totally an aside. In a video I did recently about the shop move, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I was moving things around and I moved a cabinet. And on the side of this cabinet, which because it was up against another one, I couldn't see the side. So when I took it off the wall, I'm like, dude, there's an old classic Matt's Basement Workshop sticker on the side. <laughs> and, I, and I made the comment in the video. I'm like, yeah, look, check this out. Matt's Basement Workshop sticker before stickers were cool. So <laughs> that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. Matt was not only the pod father, but he was the sticker, sticker father. father. <laughs> uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I just had been doing some soul searching on what I wanted to do with the, the YouTube channel and trying to, there's sort of this like, um, dichotomy of, of thought with, 
I, I don't like giving in to sort of a fickle audience in a sense that can't accept certain types of content that I produce. They only like this type of content. So like catering to, to folks like that or just saying, no, look, the stuff I make is the stuff I make. You either like it or you don't. And I, I gave in and decided that, you know, <laughs> I, I will cater a little bit to the, to the audience that, you know, is bothered by the fact that sometimes I produce long format uh, talky talky content and let's put that elsewhere. So all of the live stuff that we do from now on and behind the scenes stuff, anything that isn't concisely edited, be it technique or project video will end up on the second channel. And if you don't follow us on YouTube specifically, it doesn't matter. Like it's all going to be on the website. It's all going to be in our video feeds and stuff. Nothing will change for, for those folks. But if you are using like the YouTube app, this is a second channel you're going to want to subscribe to. We, we did allude to it last week and it was, um, uh, Wood Whisper Offcuts, and we'll put the link there for you. And there is, there are two videos there now. Uh, Friday Live from my mom's patio, which was yesterday. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, and uh, we actually have a video from the shop move. So I, I this is like hot off the press too, because we just moved on Wednesday and uh, was able to, to whip up a video real quick. And that's part of it. Like I don't want something that's going to be heavily edited and take me a lot of time. So it's just me showing some of the highlights of, of what the move was like, things that I packed up, how I packed it, thinking that's stuff that some people might be interested in. Um, so go check it out. Go subscribe. We appreciate it. We're uh, check it out. I don't mean to brag here, guys, but you know, we're only a couple of days old and I've already made $3.66. Hey, what? really? So, wow. you know, if you guys Who want me to buy you a video, I might be able to buy you a cup and a half of coffee. Right. Oh on. man. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So At we're Walmart. rocking it over there, but we actually coffee. almost uh, 3000 subscribers now. Um, we're, we're, we're moving pretty quickly, which is good. Uh, but the, the yeah. thing is it's, it's really nice. I don't know about you guys. Let's do a little inside baseball here. Cause I know everyone loves that. I'm ready. Hit me. What I love <laughs> is being able to post a video like a Friday live. And that's one that is very divisive. Like people who just want the projects and the techniques when they see a Friday live video, <laughs> thumbs down. Right. And I've got, uh, nothing but thumbs up on the Friday live and on the dream shop, uh, moving out of the dream shop video, nothing but thumbs up. I'm going to jinx it because someone's going to thumb it down. But the point is, if you don't like this stuff, if you don't like this deep level discussion of, of these topics, then don't subscribe to the channel. You know? So this like clean mm. slate kind of thing is really satisfying to see. Like the only people, at least right now who are going to watch this are people who want to watch it. And it's just a very satisfying thing. So even though it makes yeah. absolutely no money and very few people see it. <laughs> well, I mean, are any of us on YouTube to make money? <laughs> it's Matt usually is. our other stuff that, you know, it's the other things that, that the business relies Matt's upon. Matt's all but, about the money. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Buy me a couple of beers a month. Sell out. <laughs> it's, it's a really good idea. And I admit I have the attitude of I'm not giving into this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'm taking the opposite perspective of like with my shop updates, I'm trying my, my, my darndest to make them a little bit valuable. Um, yeah. if, if I can't edit it enough and have a concise, either question answered, then I shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And that's, that that's, really came off go. as a backhanded compliment. Comment, but but you it? should. <laughs> wow. Oh, that, What's that good. say about Mark's stuff? Yeah. Well, hey, it was not my intention of that comment. <laughs> yeah, but but your version of concisely like edited is still yeah true. Other people's <laughs> versions of I'm at like a lecture at a university. Yeah, that's true. You yeah, know. Nice. So, but I really think this is something that is solvable with playlists. It, you mm-hmm. know, should be, I guess, theoretically solvable with playlists. Like you don't like this type of video. Okay. Then Speaking this is which one. you're the only YouTube content creator. I know that could actually create a playlist on shop moves. 
I mean, you could have your own channel. That's right. The, <laughs> the shop move channel. Shop move channel. And then I can start traveling and uh, experiencing other people's shop moves as right. well. I mean, it's it's like you're a show on Discovery that yeah. specializes in like extreme moving. It's it's kind of like extreme my specialty. <laughs> I think I think you're right. No. Uh, well, anywho, if you're interested, the channel is there. Uh, but if you go to my website, you will find all the videos posted as usual, and you don't have to care what channel it came from. But if you're interested, you'll you'll get more of that stuff there. And uh, I hope to have some fun with it. It opens up some possibilities for content that over the last 10 years, I've done less and less of primarily based on feedback. You know, when people say, hey, this sucks, you're talking too much. What do you think I'm going to do over time? I'm probably going to stop talking as much and stop showing as much detail. So it's a good little behind the scenes sort of uh, opportunity for the show. Yeah, you really give in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm kind of a, um, a sucker like you, that. You give in to the people that don't actually care about you. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But no, the problem is the people who don't care are the loudest, you know? And it, so <laughs> put it this way. If you like what someone does and you, you know, maybe catch a whiff of something like catch that, like, like they're That's actually getting negative feedback, the positive feedback and saying, Hey, no, 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 no. I love what you do. This, the, you know, this talking about a bandsaw mill for like five months is totally what I'm into. <laughs> keep doing more of that. You know what I mean? Like let, when you have positive things and positive perspectives, you need to share that with these content oh, creators. Bring me into it. <laughs> I'm just trying to throw you under the bus while, while I'm pulling you under with me. <laughs> How did I get involved in this? I'm drowning. Yeah, did, I'm drowning. I and I, I grabbed Matt's grab Matt by the hair and bring him down with me. Uh, okay. So the other thing is just an FYI, I am, uh, I have reached God level in my woodworking according to this video. Now I have, um, apprehensions about sharing this. I'm so I'm going to talk about it, but you guys, you guys can help me decide whether or not we should even put the link because it's one of those clickbait, you know, pages or clickbait channels. And I don't really want to support that by even linking to it, but I think it's hilarious. So basically it says like God level people doing things at like ridiculous levels of skill. The video is kind of anything, but it's really just a lot of mundane stuff that, okay, that's interesting. Or that guy's skilled at what he does or what she does, but it's not necessarily what you would like. Oh, oh, it's God level. So it's totally clickbait. But one of my, a portion of one of my videos is in there as I'm driving a tenon. I think it's the bed video. Um, uh, the king size bed video. And it's a a loose mortise and tenon joint made with the multi-router. So like, I, like, I don't know, even if you were going to claim that this was like great craftsmanship, it's great craftsmanship because I used a multi-router. <laughs> like it's not, it's not that impressive, but there's a clip from one of my videos stolen by the way, without credit. And that's another reason why I don't want to link to it. Um, that I thought it was just funny. Someone shared that link with me and said, Hey Mark, did you know you made it to God level? I'm like, <laughs> was not aware. <laughs> Thank you for letting Took me know long enough. <laughs> yeah, I've been at this for like 12 years. I should be there by now. Yeah. yeah, I just or I not. I, I I quite enjoyed that video just because of the guy picking up tennis balls. Mm-hmm. I fast forwarded through the the loose tenon thing. It's kind of so boring. The guy pick up tennis balls. Well, and that the was one actually kind of boring for woodworking. The one right before that is Sorry, like Mark. someone uh, decorating a cookie, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, my son decorates <laughs> cookies. You know, I don't have videos of it, but it looks good. <laughs> I feel like you've done way and more now I want a cookie things than a loose Morris and tenon. I think. All of us, people, even people listening to this show have done more impressive things than that loose mortise and tenon joint. But it was a really big tenon. I guess that's it, right? The tenon was like, was like the size of my hand. size tenon. Yeah. And you use the chisel to clean up the glue. Can you believe that? Did you see how easily that glue came off? It was like, yeah. it was like the chisel was sharp or something. Yeah, you have godlike sharpening skills too. <laughs> it's just a weird video. I don't know. So uh, let's move on. What's, what's, who's got the next ones here? 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even on that page right now. I'm watching godlike things. The okay. next one is the Crafted Podcast. What? Another fantastic podcast about making stuff. It, it's like Johnny, two, James, and Zach. Dude, it's like Quite 2007 good, again with the podcast. I know. Right? Isn't this great? Podcasts are like cool again. Yeah, this is I'm like cool again. This is almost like the third wave of of podcasts, but it's it's out of control. I love it. And they start off it. their first topic: hand tools versus power tools. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. I thought it was really well done for like a first time podcast thing. Yeah, seriously. Like it was not like, I mean, I'll I'll throw it over to the dusty life guys. They're, they're awesome, but their first one, very awkward, (laughs) but that was entertaining. But this is like, it's like they were like doing stuff before. Well, maybe I'm subscribing. Maybe, maybe it was because they all have YouTube channels before. I don't know. Could be. Well, this, again, well, this is this is part of the life cycle, though. Generally speaking, the way this stuff happens is the early folks are sort of the ones who go in and, and take all the lumps and try to figure it out. And they get better as time goes on and they sort of set a new standard. And then the folks who come in maybe a year or two later sort of have a little bit of an advantage because they can learn from what these other people have done, get the right equipment and, you know, make sure they pick the right people who have a good, you know, sort of chemistry together and they jump in and they can actually right off the bat make a damn good, you know, audio podcast. And so I, mean, I haven't listened to it, but it sounds like that's what they did. That's what happened here. Good. Way to kill it, guys. All right. I, I am subscribed and I'm downloading right now. Sure. I like the art too. Well, I like the uh, channel art. There is, um, speaking of YouTube and they all have their own YouTube channels. Dave sent us a fantastic wood carving video. If you like horses, you like wood, you like carving, this video is for you. Is there a horse butt? It, it, well, he uses horse butt to sharpen his. There you go. And then he carves. Oh, I'm horse. in. I'm yeah. invested now. It's good. It's good. It's very meditative. <laughs> very nice. My kind of video. All right. Let's move into our kickback. Uh, Robert wrote in and uh, he says, and I think this is on a website. He left a comment. Just a quick note about original grain watches, which we mentioned in the last show. I backed their first watch on Kickstarter and have purchased several models since. One watch had the bezel ring break after the watch took a fall off of a tall dresser. When I contacted the customer service, they sent three replacement pieces so that I could choose the one that I liked best for free. They've been great to wear and great to work with when I needed to. And then uh, additional comment. This is from Brandon, who I believe sent us the link in the first place, who's letting us know that we missed the point. Uh, I should say Matt missed the point because he was the one who said the link. So with <laughs> I just you, read what he puts in the box. That's right. Okay. Yeah. The kickback isn't about us like delivering information other than like regurgitating what you guys send us. <laughs> so, uh, so with the original grain piece I shared with you all, though the watches are incredible, you missed the big picture. It very well could have been how I wrote it. It was, Brandon. Just, <laughs> Matt said it's your fault. The entire original grain is supposedly a movement to actually grow more trees. They claim to plant 10 trees for every watch that's sold. Well, that's all you have to do is just put that in with the last one. That's right. You that, should have said that. that. Sentence. And all, all Shannon saw was another man's crotch when he went there. <laughs> how was he supposed that's to true. know? We definitely missed the point on that one. Wow, <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. Look, when you yeah. flash a guy's crotch in front of you, you sort of start to get distracted off the point a little bit. So <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, this next one's from Zach. He says, I have a very basic set of tools and need to cut, a, cut pieces that were small enough to make me uncomfortable using the table saw. Armed with Shannon's verbose discussions of handsaws, a set of poorly sharpened chisels, and a $9 handsaw, I was able to complete my project and really enjoyed it. Now I can't wait to hear more uh, more shallow and pedantic hand tool lectures. 
Thanks for sharing all your knowledge and the great content. That's awesome. This is the second time you're you're you've been referred to as a lecturer in the show. <laughs> yeah. Your verbosity. I need to go get a PhD so that I can you, can, you guys can call me doctor. Doctor uh, call yeah. me professor. Doctor Rogers. That sounds good. I oh, like the sound of know. that. I like I like the title professor because it makes me think of Gilligan's Island and that dude could make anything. He was the first maker. He really yeah. was considering, yeah. you know, his materials. <laughs> And it's interesting if you go back and watch old Gilligan's Islands, like if you look real close on the back of the coconut radio, it says DeResta on the bottom corner. <laughs> <It's> all, <laughs> well, it is all about DeResta. So. <laughs> and we brought a full circle. So uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff wrote into us. We were talking about lighting and new shop space and everything a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago. And he says, I learned that lighting designers use software to display the output of various lighting schemes. Light fixture manufacturers provide photometric data. Those are .ies files which along with the details of your installation are input into the program. The software calculates how much light you'll have in your space and displays the result. Hmm. So uh, there's some more here, but basically there are, there are software programs out there. You can download a lot of them for free from manufacturers or you can get fancy and buy actual lighting design type software. Um, but all of the manufacturer websites will give you the data that you need. Um, to plug into those, that? Yeah, whether you need those .ies files. So I, I did a little digging around on this, and it's it's almost like um, imagine like a SketchUp type thing where mm-hmm. you could draw out your space and then drop in the various fixtures and then plug in the the technical lighting details, and it will actually show you what it what it looks like. Um, so he said the real value for me was in seeing the visual representation of how the light dropped off between the fixtures uh, against the walls and in the corner. So you could identify those like dark spots, like Matt was yeah. talking about, you know, mm-hmm. wow, everything is so dark over there now. <laughs> so it, it's kind of cool. So, um, I, unfortunately he didn't give us any like specific, I found free software here because it sounds like he got some free software from his architect mm-hmm. and admits that it might've been like buried <laughs> in the contract somewhere. <laughs> so, um, but I just did a quick Google search and you can find this lighting software, just Google like free lighting software and you can find all kinds of stuff or go to like Philips into their, um, um, uh, light bulb section of their website. And you'll be able to find some stuff there as well. It's kind of nice. neat. I'm going to play around with that a little myself. Um, you know, Vic, Vic Hubbard, he is doing a little article for us cause, uh, <clears throat> my discussions about led and trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, he was inspired to kind of just dig into it a little bit and he asked me to get readings from my shop so he could see what I'm currently used to having in terms of like light coverage in the shop. And there are apps out there that you could get on your phone and using the camera, it will determine the light output. And he wanted like readings directly under the lights and then halfway between the fixtures. So he can kind of look at an led solution that might provide the same light intensity over, over the new space. Um, so whatever he's doing is getting some of that data to see what is, what is the actual output I'm used to having. And then where, where do we need to go from there? So yeah, look it up. There's a, I can give you guys a, try to remember the name of it. We should all do that and compare what we're used to, what our shops are actually like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, let me see if I have it right here. I have one called light meter and I do believe I paid a couple of dollars for it because there were a few that were free, but I couldn't figure out like they're so gimped by, by the fact that they're free. that It's like (laughs) they were useless. Uh, but you basically have two readings, one in foot candles and the other is, is Lux and you just kind of hold it up, push the button or tell it whether you're using the front or the back camera or if you're indoor or outdoor and you can get some uh, pretty interesting readings off of it that might be helpful. So oh, I get that. It's yeah. like really interesting. It is. It is cool. I mean, you really dig in uh, to this stuff and geek out on it. 
Uh, all right. I can so compare how bright my shop is on the different corners. Well, do that. I have my numbers. For, I don't have the shop anymore, but I have the numbers. You guys should uh, download that, and we can compare next I, week. I actually think that'd be interesting because it'd be willing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Kenny's like, yes, <laughs> I love the light. I love the light, Kenny. <laughs> he's so excited he's a fan of led that's what i hear uh all right so voicemail there isn't any and uh if you want to leave us a voicemail you can on skype uh username is wood talk online or you can just call us at our phone number 623-242-5180 i feel like i should get a new number once i move that's a arizona number i'm gonna need a colorado number just to be cool or maybe i'll just leave it the same because that's the smart thing to do uh, or it's yeah. easier thing to do. Easier, easier, smarter, and uh, then it's more consistent. And uh, all right, so let's get to our email. Uh, I forgot to do the Patreon email thing, so we're pulling from the the scrap pile, if you will, from the form. Uh, first one comes in from Jay Hop. He says, "Ran across this video, and we'll put the link in there so you guys can watch it as well." And wondered when is it appropriate to get a mirror finish on the wood before I apply any finished product for protection. This isn't probably a follow-up. Have you ever tried for a mirror finish yourself using either power or hand tools instead of finishes? So this video shows some amazing planing being done. And right off the hand plane, you know, the, the finish is just stellar. And we're talking about like blades that are honed probably far beyond any of us have ever done or thought to be reasonable. And the, you could see as the light reflects, uh, the backlight is reflecting off the surface, it is truly you know, like a glossy finish. So to his point and his question, when is it appropriate to get a mirror finish on the wood? Well, that's subjective. I, I think it depends on your goals and what you're trying to do. Oh, hello, Ava. <laughs> oh, Nicole just knocked over a plant. Do you need help? Obviously, but no. I mean, I now, not five <laughs> seconds ago. Best answer ever. Did you like that? The, hel- the helpful husband. Seriously? You, you, hold on. Hold on a second. I could send Kenny over there to help. That way you could bark on your side of the camera. Oh, my God. What is going on with this? Oh, I was going to try to get work done, but obviously that's not happening. Okay. This has a whole new element to Wood Talk. <laughs> it's uh, Wood Talk, the domestic edition. It's true. Oh, my gosh. So there's this giant plant in my mom's office here, and Nicole fell into it, and then it fell over. <laughs> And as she's trying to put it up, like put it back up, she's got Ava um, wrapped around her side, and then Ava's going, ah, and she's grabbing the leaves and pulling it back down. That was just a little little family domestic fiasco there. Sorry. I think we need to back up and find out why Nicole's falling over. Um, well, she's unbalanced. She's got like a you know twenty pound kid on one hip, and it's it makes her, she's off center. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So, uh, like I said, things things might get a little crazy. Uh, while I'm recording shows here. You never know what's going to happen. You just never Actually know. listen every week. Yeah, I mean, there's no door on this office. Like, anyone can walk in at any time. Better put my pants on. All right. <laughs> so, as I was saying, it's a very subjective thing uh, based on what you're trying to accomplish. Now, generally speaking, I think for the average woodworker, for you and me, I don't know how much sense it makes to even bother with something. Like, if you can do this and it's not going to put you out and there's not a whole lot of extra work to do it, why not? You know, it's okay. But you do have to be careful because there is a certain point where the surface is so smooth and so fine that it doesn't really accept finish as well as it might if it were, you know, let's say like a 180 or 220 grit type surface or maybe one that was just... Uh, hit with a card scraper or maybe a smoothing plane that was not sharpened to like 
a, a million grit, you know, or whatever they're doing there to hone those things so finely. Uh, so, you know, you do have to be careful about how far you go based on what finish you're going to apply. But if you're doing something that is more of a natural finish, like a hand rubbed oil and wax finish, sometimes getting to that super glossy type finish is a great way to go because this isn't a finish that necessarily needs to absorb real deep into the grain. So if that surface is kind of burnished to an extent and really shiny, it doesn't really matter. You're just putting a light duty finish on top of it and it will benefit from the fact that it's starting off that smooth. Uh, if you try to do that oil and wax finish on a 180 grit surface, you're probably not going to get the the kind of glass smooth feel that you would otherwise get if the surface was prepped a little bit more. Um, so I think in in practical terms, most of us are going to take that finished product and put some kind of a film finish on it. And as soon as you do that, guess what? It doesn't matter what the wood was underneath. Like there might be some arguments to be made about the clarity of the wood grain if it's really smooth prior to putting the film finish on top. But ultimately, once that film finishes on top, that's creating sort of the the visual reflection that makes the surface look shiny. So from that point on, once you have a film, everything you're doing is addressing the film and not the wood. The wood is buried under the finish, right? So that's why sometimes I consider it sort of a waste of time to go that far to make it that perfect if you're just going to put a film finish on top of it anyway. So think about what you're doing and where you're going with it to determine if it's necessary. So his follow-up is, have you ever tried this? And the only time I've really tried this is with Festool's uh, Random Orbit Sander, the big, um, what do you call it, uh, Rotex. And the reason I did it was just for experimentation because I wanted to reproduce the demo that they tend to do a lot, which is let's take this rough board and sand it from a very rough state all the way to a high reflective shine using the various abrasives that they have. And it's a very cool thing to do. You know, it was neat. It was a lot of fun. But again, once you get to that last step, you know, it's still not finished. So it's still not very well protected. You have to apply some kind of a finish to, to give it longevity. Uh, but it, it was just a fun experiment. So I have done it, but again, I just don't find it to be a very practical thing to do. And it takes a lot of extra time. Uh, of course, these guys in the video, you know, they've got these amazingly sharp tools and the skills to wield them. And uh, and I don't think that they have to necessarily work as hard as I did to get that finish. So, you know, it, it's just you got to You got to think about what you're doing, what you want with the finish, and it may or may not be appropriate. OK, I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink coffee. He's now. taking a drink right now, Matt. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, he, okay, Matt, yeah. We don't have our cameras on, so Matt can't see it. <laughs> Uh, this next one is from Steve. He asks, what's the ballpark average cost for wood for a good workbench that I would build? I know there are many variables with design, species, size, etc., but I just need a ballpark amount to see if it's in reach for me looking for wood-only costs, not vices. $8. Well, yeah. This is the thing with this question is I don't know if you can actually give a decent ballpark average without knowing those variables, really. Between 8 and $500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I could tell you, the, the wood cost from my bench was zero. It was well, time investment in milling it. That's cheap. Um, so, yeah, that's why, I, that's why I got away with doing the bench craft and stuff because um, it co- didn't cost me anything for the wood. Mm-hmm. I think depending on the bench you're looking to build, I can <clears> tell you for like the Rubo, you're going to need like 150 to 200 board feet probably depending on the sizes you have. Um, and it depends on the cost. You're going to pay for that amount of money. I think having an idea of how much board footage you need is a good place to start, and then you can kind of see what the board footage price in your area is and kind of go from there. Um, if you're paying $3 a board foot, you know, you're looking at maybe four to $600 or so in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The thing about making a workbench is 
you don't really need to use like expensive or fancy wood. You can use whatever is cheapest, really. And you can, if you want to do more work with the, with the top, you can buy thinner stock and do more lamination. It's really there's a lot of variables here, but hopefully that <clears throat> helps a little bit, maybe. Like a guy know, who did the um, the top out of pallet wood. Can you, you can do that. The, yeah. the number of laminations <laughs> to make that I happen. Would, I would not be interested in doing that personally, <laughs> but you could do that. <laughs> you could do it. That's where the cost of glue exceeds the cost of lumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It's actually a glue top with a, a few layers of wood <laughs> between. Um, yeah. You can make it out of epoxy. You can uh, inlay <laughs> stuff in there. Yeah. Resin yeah, top. The PVA think? workbench. There you go. Uh, Bell <laughs> Forest has done that. Come on. Bell Forest has some prices uh, for the the Rubo kits that that we are sort of associated with with the guild. Mm-hmm. So these are just you know data points for you to consider. They have three that they offer: the hard maple, soft maple, and white ash. And um, it's eight fifty for the hard maple, seven sixty five for soft maple, and seven forty five for white ash. Now that's just Bell Forest. That's one company, and you're going to have to pay shipping fees if you get it from them. But it's so regionally dependent on what your pricing is. You know, it's very difficult to nail down how much it's going to cost until you start making phone calls and finding out what your local prices are. Right. Yeah. It's it's funny because I remember building mine out of ash because it was like the cheapest species I could find. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Thanks, Emerald Ash Borer. Oh, you jerk. Stupid bug. Don't have expensive. it here. Still good. Give yeah, me a lot of ash here soon. We still have it. It's just more expensive because <laughs> there's less of it to go around. <laughs> All right. Well, here's another um, kind of highly subjective question. It's from Daniel. Um, he says, I started designing a new project to build for my wife. It's a vanity table and desk. I've narrowed down that I'll make the case out of walnut, and I'm contemplating making the top out of paduk with wingay inlay accents. I'm worried the paduk will be too strong a contrast against the walnut. An alternative would be binga. Bo- would be boobinga. Boobinga. Like tongue twister. What are your thoughts? Um, he also wants to know what finish we'd recommend. Um, so the reason I brought this up, it's because I've caught flack for my maple and walnut comment um, for what was that like six months ago now? Yeah, but it's never going there's, away. There's something to be said about um, when you're designing and choosing the species for your project and just looking at kind of taking all the woods that you have in mind and, and looking at them all together and figuring out how much of each one are you using. And normally I would say, I think Paduke and Walnut would actually look pretty good together because they're kind of complementary color palettes. I mean, the Paduke is obviously very orange, but there's elements of brown and stuff in there um, that would blend nicely with the Walnut. The thing that I don't like about Walnut and Maple is there is no complementary colors there. They are nothing but contrast, which is great if that's what you want as contrast. So if you had the entire top, however, out of Paduk and the bottom out of out of Walnut, what is that going to look like when you've got so much real estate of that bright, 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 bright red? Because not only is it complementary, but it's more of like a highlight type color. Personally, I think you might not like it um, because it's just so orange. But you also have to pay attention to what it's going to turn into, mm-hmm. you know, as it darkens and as it mellows. If it were me, I would go with Bubinga. I think the more mellow, deeper red tones of Bubinga, plus Bubinga's got more character, more kind of deep, um, dark brown and black uh, lines and and grain, if you will, in there that will complement the walnut. So the point being there, kind of look at, there's the color, there's the first color you see when you look at the board, but then there's the, the secondary colors. 
Oh, and, and walnut, obviously you think kind of chocolatey brown at first, and then there's kind of creams and occasionally purples in there, depending on whether it's air dried or not. Paduke, it's pretty much just orange red. You know, there's not a whole lot of other stuff going on there. There's not a lot to kind of be a unifying thread between the species. So you might just end up looking like a bright red top and, oh yeah, there's a base underneath. That may be what you want, right? If that's your kind of design goal. But if you really want it to be a cohesive thing, I think you'd be better off with Bubinga because you're going to find more common threads and color between the walnut and the Bubinga. And it's a little more what's, what you see is what you get with the Bubinga because that Paduke is that color is going to be so temporary. So like, yeah, before you go down this path, Daniel, uh, do a Google search for aged Paduke and look at that color. It actually what? is going to get much closer to Walnut. And in fact, it will sort of become the darker of the two over time as the walnut lightens a little bit you may not like where that ends up at least with the babinga if you like it now it's probably going to look very similar 10 years from now watch my bb gun stock video you'll see the age turn to new there you go and it's almost like garishly orange at first yeah it it is and it doesn't even show up on camera that well but it's like everything is orange everywhere yeah the dust and the shavings are like oh Quaid Cheetos in here. <laughs> right. But it's but that is so temporary, you know, and it, it just, you know, don't get used to it. Even if you if you like it, then you're really gonna have a problem because it isn't gonna stay around for very long. Cool. All right. So I think that wraps it up for the show, this weird Saturday recording. Um, now here we're trying to figure out if we have an extra show this week because of the whole Halloween thing. I don't know what the topic's gonna be, if we're gonna be able to find it. We had one that we recorded with Vanderlist that was Halloween related, so we were hoping to, to share that. I have to look on my um, hard drives and see if I could find where that file went. But so I can't really tease much about the four dollar uh, patron <laughs> extra show. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll do something. We'll figure something out. Uh, but if you want to support the show, you can, of course, there's patreoncom slash wood talk. And you could also go to, uh, the wood whisperer store, get a wood talk t-shirt at twwstore.com. Or if you want, it doesn't cost you anything. You can go to the iTunes store and leave us a review. Uh, a few folks who did, I'm not going to read them all highliner owner and Rob Tosh and Unisaw and George pack and word and keep making it and a bunch of people. So thank you so much for leaving those reviews. It helps raise our visibility in iTunes for the few that actually still use it. And that's very helpful to us. We appreciate that. Uh, and I think that's about it. So Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info? We'll get out of here. Okay. You have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, or want to send us candy for Halloween. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can do it a couple of ways. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Our voicemail line is 623-242-5180. Or use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just leave a comment in the show notes of this episode or any of the mini episodes on woodtalkshow.com. Sweet. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Halloween, and we will catch you next time. Trick or treat. Smell my feet. Give me something. something good to eat. <laughs> <laughs>